This week on the Sport Blokes. This week. Footy, 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 footy. Lots and of some footy. footy. More footy. And Mini Pacquiao. Yes, that's right. I'm back from Melbourne. Stewie and I haven't been together in front of a mic for nearly a month. Let's go. It's 8.40 on Wednesday, the 21st of September. You've strategically waited till it ticked over. I did, I did, because I knew that clock was going to change otherwise between me finishing and it's been a while. It's been a month if it's been a day. Nearly nearly a month. Yeah. Yeah. End of August we last recorded. So this is uh, the first time we've been in each other's company for some time. You've been on a plane and back. I have. Yeah. My first flights for many Quite a few years, you, four years or so. Your plane came back and you returned. It did, I did return, yeah. You didn't, you didn't get stuck in Melbourne or <laughs> I I, Look, first things first, to Mother Nature, I've got to say thank you because we did make jokes about shitty weather, but it was it was pretty good. Yeah, look. It was pretty good. Melbourne has its moments. It does, it does. And look, it was a little bit cold at times. Oh, but uh, It was yeah, cold. Yeah. Mother finance, though, can get, can get <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah, like a pint is sixteen bucks standard. Standard. Yeah. Oh. And then you you need a second mortgage just to have a few beers and a meal. Yeah. And then they ask you, do you want a pot? Who the fuck wants oh, a pot? Oh yeah, that's right. They're not even as big. Who wants and a pot? And you're paying sixteen bucks. No one wants a pot. No. God. I know. Yeah. How you been, mate? How's things back here in the in the West? Yeah, good. Good. Look, I mean, the weather's slowly starting to get better. Work's going well. Family's all well. Can't complain, mate. Can't excellent, complain. excellent. And the right teams are in the AFL grand final. Well, one of them is, I guess. We'll get it. And look, there's been an all-consuming AFL story today as well that we will also get to very shortly as well. But before we get to that, oh, a little birdie tells me, Nathan, that you have a birthday coming up next month and I couldn't be fucked waiting. Oh, oh, well. What's in the bag? Oh, which birdie was this? Was it Otis Birdsong? It's just the fact that I know your birthday's next month. Ah, go oh, ahead. look go ahead. at this. What are, you, what are you doing? I didn't need to do this. But I did. Well, I haven't got you anything. It's not my birthday. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, Our listeners wouldn't understand I'm not. That. I'm not. Sure his birthday's a month I'm after not giving month. to get. We've recorded on your birthday. We have, yeah. Several times. Oh, real noise. Oh, what's this? Oh, Yes. Oh, I love it. Now, as I said to Nathan before we started recording, every, forgive, sorry, forgive the noise. Everybody needs yes. an NBA jacket. That comment did make make uh, a lot of sense immediately. Everybody needs it. And before we started recording, I did say that I was present. Ah, I see, <laughs> I see. Oh, very nice. NBA. Oh, this is good. So tell tell the viewers what you've got. Yeah, I know. So I'll be wearing this on the next throwback collaboration we do. It's a lovely NBA at 75 San Antonio Spurs. Fiesta colours, old be- school. The, the best of colours as yes, well. Yes, very nice. Thank you, sir. No worries, sir. Look, Thank I'm... you very much. You won't give you a full hug now. I'll wait till after. Hope you enjoy it. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, i got to say, I went to the NBA store and I didn't realise. <laughs> I say, just mother, Chansons, mother finance is okay. Chansons are 180 bucks. It's like, geez, you blokes are even madder than I thought, forking out for all those. Yeah. No, that's very kind. Thank you very much. You did not so, have to do that. That is fantastic. You're right. I didn't. I'll have it back. And <laughs> <laughs> to the collection. And and uh, and you're in a very nice OKC Thunder one yeah, yourself. On for, is, uh, very nice for for the male Mother's Day. Ah, of course, Father's Day. Yes, that one. Yes, very good. good. Very good. When was that? When I was away, probably. Yeah, I think that's I, a, I think that's a long enough intro. Yeah, it's a long enough <laughs> intro. What caught your attention? <laughs> What'd you miss? Oh, look, mate, it's been four weeks, so there's been a few things that have caught my attention. First things first, though, massive shout-out to the Australian Women's Rugby Sevens team. They beat New Zealand in the final of the World Cup in Cape Town the other day, 24-22. Mm, Very good result. Apparently, the Kiwis could not believe they'd been beaten. Yeah, right. Which is probably to be expected because they're a very good side. And they love their rugby. They do. Now, something very humorous out of the world of amateur midget wrestling, and I can say that because that's how they market themselves. Yes, Key it's, details. It's it's not me being yes. mean. Laughing with not at. Yes. Yes. And the Micromania Tour. I love the name. It's absolutely brilliant. Now, I shit you not, there is a guy on there who looks like a mini version of 50 Cent and his stage name is 25 Cent. <laughs> I didn't see that on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah. good. Now, on top of that, there's Lucha Smurf and Smurfette. Oh, nice. Rolando McDonald. Okay. Yeah. Mini Johnny Depp. Mini Kung Fu Panda, Mini Bruno Mars, Mini Mayweather, Mini Eminem, and my favorite, 
Mini Pacquiao. Oh, oh that's fantastic. <laughs> mini Pacquiao. Very so nice. good. No mini driver, though, unfortunately. No mini driver. No. Yeah. They might do mini pole drivers. Yeah, well, that's true. They so would, they, they would have go. to. Yeah. Now, a couple of things quickly in the golf. Bit of an update on Cameron Smith. He's officially made the move to the Live Tour. Which... And already making a shitload of money yes, out of it. People are livid at him. Yes, some are. So after winning the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass, along with a $3.6 million prize, the winner also gets this really awesome parking space that's right next to the clubhouse. So it saves him a bit of a walk. But after his move to the Live became official, overnight, the sign at the parking spot changed from reserved 2022 Players' Champion Cameron Smith to reserved tour players only. Mm. Very subtle. Shaves, yeah. <laughs> Very subtle. I mean, it doesn't matter. Smith will probably just fly to the first tee in his private helicopter anyway. Well, that's right. He's, yeah. yeah, made a lot of money. Exactly. And then speaking of golf, how about the finish to the Fortinet Championship at the Silverado Resort in Napa, California over the weekend? How about it? How about it? You've I got, say as if I've got no idea. idea. Absolutely no idea. <laughs> so coming up to the 18th green, Danny Willett of England had a one-shot lead over Max Homer. Willett puts his approach to about four feet. So he's got this really short putt for a, a birdie, which would ultimately put to bed any chance of him losing it. Homer's chip basically landed short of the green. So it's even worse for him. Now he's miraculously chipped in for a birdie from off the green. And Willett has somehow three putted from four foot oh. to lose by a single shot, oh. which cost him $568,000 in prize money. Oh, shades of Jean Vandervelde. It is. Yeah. Oh, Jean. Jean. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> now, the last thing I wanted to just mention was something that is it's really frustrating me right now in the world of Twitter. Now, it's no surprise. Twitter is one of these places that keyboard warriors go to flex their keyboard muscles and just Flex their fingers. It's yep. like absolute dickheads. But and we've seen a lot of it today with this Hawthorne stuff too. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the thing that I really struggle with right now is, okay, the, the WNBA finals have just finished. Yes, the Las, Las Vegas Aces won. I managed to see that crazy game. Was it in the finals? Was it early in the finals or was it maybe the conference finals that went to OT? God, that was nuts. I've no idea which game. Oh, I've man. I've was... seen a lot of it. Oh, it was crazy. But... It was crazy. Robbie tipped us off to it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you get to watch that one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. But what is really frustrating about it? So, as I said, a lot of highlights, a lot of check out this shot from such and such. And all of the comments are just these dickhead blokes saying, not a sport. Or get back in the uh, kitchen. Right. I thought you were going to say they're objectifying them sexually. No, no, none There's of that. There's probably a bit it's... of that too, I'm well, guessing. Well, it probably is. But just yeah. the, the vast majority of it is like not a sport or no one's watching the NFLs on. All this sort of shit. It's like there's 10,000 people in the stadium. So clearly people are watching. But why do people feel compelled to write this shit? Like, well, I guess they're baiting. I don't know. Yeah. They... I'll never understand the mentality of a troll. So I guess I'm, yeah. there's no point trying. I just don't get it. And, and look, there's a lot of people that are going into bat for these women who are doing the absolute best they can, putting on a, a show. I mean, I saw at one stage, I think Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambier were sitting courtside. Bill Lambier used to coach in the Yes, WNBA, he did. Yeah, so. yeah. Maybe in the one of the foundation teams. Like, Detroit. Yeah. yeah. So, look, there's, there's obviously enough interest in there. And I just, I can't say this enough. These trolls really shit me to tears. Oh, yeah. No, it's just, it just doesn't really achieve anything, does it? It does. But I, in some ways... We're feeding them by even talking about it. But no, it's, it's not good. All right, we'll talk about it. You're all pricks. Yeah. I got trolled at the footy, by the way. How so? Well, I'll, t I'll tell you when we talk, Phil. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was it was funny. Like, there's some comeuppance. It's it's an interesting... Um, it's, a, it's a saga. Their uppance did come, did it? it well, they were Magpies fans. And I'm uh, sorry, sorry. Fair enough. Yes. Then. Fair enough. Yes. How about yourself, mate? Yes. Well, look, I'm going to race through today because we've got a lot to discuss. Obviously, a lot's happened in the last three weeks and we won't, we can't talk about it all. And some of it's getting a little bit dated now anyway. But just a couple of things really quickly. I don't know if you saw Eli Manning dressing up as Chad Powers and trying I out did. as a walk-on. I did see that. Yeah, he was, he was Penn State. ruled ineligible. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. And look, you could totally tell it was him, but maybe it's one of those situations oh where... I could tell. Yeah, I could, probably would have. Yeah, I could. But, yeah, but I don't know. One again, maybe it's one of those situations where, when you know already, yes, then maybe your mind is already if, kind of yeah. conditioned to not. Yeah, if so. you're not looking for it, you may not see it. Yeah, yeah. And just finally, shout out to BJ and the coach. The podcast community is a, uh, it's a big one, and it can get nasty at times. But thanks for the follow, boys. And and I had a bit of a listen to their most recent episode, and 
And I think they like a bit of a laugh. So if you have only just jumped on board and we we followed you back at Sport Blokes on Twitter, check out episode 111, lads, for our Christmas in July episode. I think you might get a little bit of a kick out of that one because they do like the funnier side of sports. They're not too serious. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you miss, mate? Well, if I'm honest, I haven't really watched more than a few seconds of the NBL Blitz. I just, I've looked at it and I thought about last year and who dominated last year? Adelaide and Dusty Hannes didn't really translate that well into the regular season. So I just kind of thought, yeah, it's not really a reason to watch it. I know I should be watching it because it sort of shows me a lot of these newer players. Well, but... it's all about hours in the day though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we got footy finals on. We've got more important stuff than preseason. Well, and it's end of quarter at work. I'm doing ridiculous hours yeah, trying to... You just... Yeah, it's just... It's preseason. It is what it is, man. So we, we won't cover the NBL too much this week, but we'll definitely, for our next episode, we'll do a little bit of a preview. It's funny you say that because I've been reflecting on that as well because I watched a fair bit of the Blitz last year and we obviously we did that crossover episode with the Pocket Podcast guys. I think it was episode 80-something around that. And funnily enough, Andrew was saying that he had barely watched any Blitz at all and I'd watched lots. And now, like, flip it, he's actually in Darwin yes. for the Blitz to giving daily updates and stuff. He's having a great time. Oh, you know, absolutely. And again, if we could, we would. But, I mean... The, the NFL's in full swing. The AFL finals are on. There's just stuff I'm prioritizing more. But we will really look forward to having that chat for the next episode too. So and keep can, an eye out for that one. I can see you've missed something else on your list. What did you miss? Oh, well, what did I miss? I missed the T20. So I intended on watching the second innings last night, but it just didn't end up happening that way. We had a visitor and he stayed over. So, um, And it went to ridiculous o'clock, let's be fair. Yeah, when did it finish? Like three or something? Oh, or? look, I, I fell asleep halfway through our innings. It was probably like... 12.44. Yeah, so right. So it would have been, yeah, would have yeah. been late for, yeah. for me, not yeah. for you. But. Yeah, no, but even I'm back at work now and it's been a pretty pretty insane couple of yeah, weeks. Fair enough. So, so I'm still pretty knackered, if I'm honest. So, yeah, that's what I missed. I had hoped to see. But uh, we might talk about that a little bit today too. Yeah. So like we said, Stewie, we've got to address at the top here this just horrible and concerning allegations that have come out of Hawthorne. And it's a report that Hawthorne commissioned themselves to look into how they treat and respect Indigenous players. It was a little bit similar to the the Collingwood do better. Exactly. I think it was on the back of that. And for those that may not be aware, there have been some pretty significant kind of concerns within that club. Like Jeff Kennett has this love of gollywogs and he had a gollywog that he dubbed Buddy because of Buddy Franklin. And there's another one he named Don because of Don King and... Um, him and Cyril Rioli Cyril left the club in a bit of a cloud of smoke real quick because he was just he got he had a gutful of some of the stuff he'd experienced at the club so I think a lot of this precipitated this report it's disappointing in two different ways it's disappointing obviously that something like this has happened but also disappointing that it will in all likelihood overshadow what looks like it could be a pretty decent grand final yeah hopefully yeah yeah and we'll get to that in a sec yeah and I guess for those that if you're living under a rock or you don't follow footy or you don't follow the media, basically, there is an article by Russell Jackson today, which kind of refers to the report. And and he's interviewed a number of people who have remained anonymous. And look, there's a lot of Twitter bullshit about that. You can understand why they would want to remain anonymous. Yeah. So a number of ex-players and their partners were interviewed. And basically, it's just it's just horrendous. Allegations of, of players being told to break up with partners, being told that their partners should have abortions, being basically like excommunicated from from family members by being given new SIM cards. This is like borderline stolen generation stuff. Yes, exactly. It's in it's history repeating itself yeah. in a in a way. Like obviously on a, a much smaller scale, but so look, there's more to come out of it. I don't know if if you want to say anything more at this point. It's very fresh. It's very new. Yeah, look, there's there's probably not a whole heap to say at this stage because, as you say, it's it's very fresh. Yeah, I mean, look, we don't know everything about it. It is unusual for something like this to come out without there being some kind of truth to it. So, well, I just don't understand what like what incentive would there be for players to if it's not real? Yeah, I mean, there's talk of suicide attempts. There's talk of of relationship breakdowns. There's talk of players living at coaching staff's houses or, or, or members of the yeah. of the club's house and stuff like that, which, again, is a kind of an act of control. It's a bit weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and the club did really well. Well, it's this winning at all costs mentality. It's exactly. But, yeah. but nothing, no amount of winning, no amount of success 
justifies, really justifies yeah. yeah terminating of relationships of unborn children ripping people away i mean that's family, that's but... a, yeah that's a decision for for people to make a footy club like if if, if our employer said to you or i that our partner should ter- can you imagine how irate you'd be and that's just people who are nearly 40 and who have the maturity. I mean, in one of the cases, he was 18 or 19 yeah. years old. It's yeah, it's insane. It's heartbreaking. Yep. It's heartbreaking. It really is. So there is more to come out. Obviously, there are allegations. I do believe in people having a right of response. Uh, but mm. I am concerned that it's... Oh, look, uh, yeah. And and there's a lot of stuff on Twitter like, oh, players having an axe to grind because they didn't get a game or they got sacked or like, mm. oh, players, oh, they just did it for money. It's like, what money? They've remained anonymous. They're not going to be paid for an interview no. from the ABC. It's not like... It's... No, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's very sad. But I think it was important that we talked about it first. Yeah. But look, let's move on to some other stuff. There's still a lot going on. Obviously, we've had the Brownlow... A night earlier on the Sunday, usually the Monday, which was great for me because I host a quiz on Monday night, so I was able to watch it oh, live. I think about yeah, that. yeah, I was worried I wasn't going to get to see it, so that really was good for me. Well, yeah. Let's talk about it. What were your overall thoughts? Oh, look, I mean, it was it was one of the closest in a long time. It feels like there was a lot of energy and a lot of I think because of COVID and the fact that the Brownlow celebrations have been a bit subdued the last few years and. And I think a lot of that's borne out in the games as well when you look at the crowds. Like, I was amazed that Freo Collingwood sold out. Amazed. Like, I know Collingwood have a big fan base, but for a West Australian team and the less popular West Australian team to go there and sell the place, I, I was astonished at that. So the popularity of the league is is peaking in some ways, isn't it? Do you know what's really funny? I was actually listening to one of our older episodes. I think it was episode 54. And there was this talk about how one of the TV channels had just signed this big big sort of deal with soccer saying, oh, it's going to be the biggest sport in Australia. Oh, uh, Channel 10. And us laughing. Yeah, it was Channel 10. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And us just laughing going, yeah, sure, good luck. Define optimism, I think you said. Yeah, well, yeah, I stand by that comment. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously you've mentioned, yeah, it was really, really close, really a tight sort of race. It there came were, down to the last game. It, it did. Before we get to that, there were, there were some really funny things I noticed. Did you, obviously, like, the guys putting on glasses, sunglasses. Glasses, yeah, I like the glasses. I think that was just everyone getting tanked pretty early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you, every time Liam Baker's name yes, was Yes, yeah, loud cheers. That was sort of almost like the, the Brownlow equivalent of, like, Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> there were some weird little nuances, weren't there? Yeah. yeah. And, look, some people have said, oh, they're getting too pissed. What does it say to kids? And I don't know. I, I don't. Can kids even realise, like, that well, they're that pissed when they're putting on glasses? Or I, I'd be, if, if I were a parent... I'd be more worried about all the betting ads that were on during. Worried about my kid being up at like yeah. nine o'clock at night. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Depending on the age, it was a bit earlier here in WA, obviously as well, yeah. but it, it was quite a reasonable time here in WA. But and I'd also be more concerned about Christian Petraka. Oh yes, t- telling <laughs> uh, telling old mate to get fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was that was pretty funny though. Oh, uh, it was funny. But yes, the result. It was very entertaining. Very entertaining. Yes, and a, a nail-biting result. And I dare say that Corey McKernan and Chris Grant will be thinking, bloody hell, we wish we had, uh, what was his name? John Townsend, yeah. QC. They're KCs now. Ah. King's Councils. Ooh, and a lot has happened in the last three weeks, yeah. Of course I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, me neither, until I read it today in an article. Yeah. King's Council. There you go. It's a very weird, but it's going to be that way for a while because whenever Charles falls off the perch, William's on next. So yeah, it's true. It's going yeah. to be a long, long time. Not that I'm pushing for that to happen no, anytime well, soon. After. We've, we've already yeah. had three weeks of yeah. bloody funeral stuff. Yes, like, yes. Just, mm. But no, you're right. Like that that whole back and forth between Patrick Cripps and Lockie Neal and Took Miller and Andrew Brayshaw all throughout the night, it was like, this could go any which way. And occasionally a guy would fall down the list and you're thinking, oh, and then he'd pop back up again. Like So the the, the snakes and ladders, they'd go up and down throughout the course of the rounds. That's it. And Petrarca and your pick, Clayton Oliver, from the start of the season, they were sort of in it for... Yeah, well, I think they might have tied. They both polled like 23 each or something. Well, into the 20s. Yeah, yeah. And so... So they're vote stealing. And so you're sort of looking at it going, well... At some point, I know I was sort of thinking there's a possibility we could have a, a replay of 2003, the whole Rashudo Buckley. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah I was, and Adam Goods. Yeah, thing. absolutely. Um, do you know what also happened in... Or even just a double. 
Well, yeah, even a double would have been. There's been a few of them over the years. Not too many, but yeah, the triples only happened twice: 2003 and 1930. Yeah, they which they mentioned on the broadcast. 1930, they tied on four votes. (laughs) Really? Yep. Harry Collier, Alan Hopkins, and Stan Judkins on four votes. Four votes. Yeah, ridiculous. Bloody hell! Can you imagine that? And nowadays, you need 30 to win it. Instead of doing the three-two-one, they're doing like point five. Yeah. (laughs) Best on ground, point two five. S Judkins, half a vote. Pie. <laughs> oh, actually, pie, if you're winning on four, pie, pie gets you there. Nearly. Pie gets you pretty yeah, much there. Yeah. But no, it was good. It's how a, a Brownlow should be, dramatic. I didn't actually see who won Mark of the Year. I know Goal of the Year was that that Sam Draper out of the ruck, which I, I was quite impressed oh, with. No, I liked that one. I was happy with that. That was a really good goal. The the Mark of the Year was Georgiades. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably not. I think probably Toby Green. Of the three yeah, that yeah. were shortlisted, Toby Green was probably my pick. But funnily enough, Georgiades had a better mark in a different game, I thought. Mm. So it wasn't even his best mark personally for the year. We always think they get it The right mark though. of the year is always a tougher <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, The yeah, goal of yeah. the year was good. Nobody yeah, no, I was happy with that. No yeah. one ran too far. None of no, the bullshit. No, no, that's true. I forgot about yeah, that. That was a good, good Yeah, one. yeah. No, no, it was good. Good. Good to be able to watch too. Because, yeah, often when it's on Monday, I just don't get to see it. Because it's too long to go back and watch. Yeah. Like four hours or whatever. It's a long, it's a long event. It is. Yeah, yeah. So let's get to the main event, Nath, the finals. Now, I want to kind of talk about your experience because you got to do something that I've never done. You got to go and see a final at the MCG. Yes, this is true. So I guess we'll we'll just smash through what happened prior to that because it's been one of the most exciting finals ever, certainly in our lifetime, and a really exciting season too. So after nearly 200 home and away games plus finals, 198 home and away, and then a handful of finals, here we are at grand final weekend. But... Started off with Richmond and Brisbane, and we we look we had no faith in in Brisbane, and that did come to bear. They just lasted longer than we than we thought they would. Bear wasn't a pun intended there, obviously no. the old Brisbane <laughs> Bears, but it's an accidental pun that one. Yeah, so they they had a nail biting two point win over over the Tigers. I can't remember a lot of it now, apart from the fact that it was a great way to kick off the finals. It was. It was. We. I remember us saying to each other, like, if this is how they all are, this is going to be a great Yes, and then Fag said it in his interview not long after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But no, ripping game of football. I suppose the highlight, Lockie Neal, 39 touches, absolute beast. Oh, yeah, definitely. As always. Definitely. No, and again, there's a good reason why he pulled well in the Brownlow. Then my Swannies got up over Melbourne. Now, I've got to make a confession here. On our recording, I did tip Melbourne. I am a very superstitious person. <laughs> you like me. Very superstitious. I was actually very confident we would win. I was expecting to win. We play Melbourne well. We play the G well. We beat them early this year at, at the G. So I did think we'd win. I just wasn't prepared to put it on the podcast and tape it. So, yeah, so I managed to avoid the the result of that one because we are at the Kiss concert. So luckily I managed to stay away. So it was fresh. And look, I didn't think... I didn't finish watching till about three in the morning or something crazy because we didn't get back from the gig till nearly 1am, I think it was. But yeah, ah, great game, great win. 10 goal kickers for the Swans. Lloyd, 25 touches, two goals. Brilliant. And the good spread of goal scoring has been across the finals for us, actually. I mean, we've only played two games, obviously, because that put us into a prelim. The other side of the top four, Geelong and Collingwood, another absolute cracker of a game. And... My goodness, you could be forgiven for thinking that had Collingwood's two of their three finals games gone a little bit longer, they might have uh, might have won them. Yeah. But the siren sounded when it sounded, and and in the end, the Cats got up just. Yeah, late goal to Max Holmes getting the Cats across the line. And how's this? So during the home and away season, they played in seven games with a margin of six points or less, one or seven of them. In the finals, 0-2 in such games. Mm. So the chickens did come home to roost in the end. Those close games do cut. You can't win them all. Well, the, Eventually the, they'll come and haunt you. Magpies came home to roost. Yes, as, well, as it would is, turn out. This yeah. is true. Yeah. Then we had the Dockers and and Dogs. Another absolute cracking game. The Dogs exploded out of the gates as they did at the grand final here in Perth last year. And well, a few of our friends, you maybe you as well, played the Hendrix card prematurely. And I seem to be the only one that believed, including my girlfriend and her parents. And and look, I understand doom and gloom when you're actually team, yeah. when you're a supporter. Yeah, yeah, I do understand that. But I seem to be the only one saying, nah, guys, they're still in this. They're still in this. If it's four goals or less at halftime, they can win this. And at three-quarter time, they were still down or, or close to down. And I said, nah, Dockers are going to win this. And sure enough, they did. 
What a cracking game. And they won by two goals in the end. To, to be fair. What a turnaround. They were down 34 points at quarter time. That's the biggest quarter time deficit that the Dockers have overcome at home in the history of the club. Yeah. So it, it was a very, very long way back. For oh, absolutely it was. It, it, I don't know. It just had that feel to it. But how's this? So Chris Robinson tweeted, the only time before that game the Dogs had held an opposition scoreless in a first quarter in a WA game, round 10, 1998, Dogs led eight goals four to zero goals four at quarter time. They ended up losing by 13. Hmm. Same margin, I believe. It was, yeah. So isn't that nuts? So you've got to play out a full game and crikey. Luckily, the Swans played out a full game, only just, and we'll get there in a sec. Oh, so then we had the semi. So so the Ds and the Lions. Now, I, I tried to watch as much of this as I could. I just reunited with my brother in Melbourne, so we probably talked through it a little bit more than we should have. But a bit of a surprise the margin was what it was in the end, a real nail-biter and, and could have gone either way. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it was a weird one. I mean, Melbourne looked comfortable right throughout most of the first half, and then it, you just kind of got this little sense there was a goal right on half time and you kind of thought to yourself, well, I wonder if that's maybe a turning point. And sure enough, after the half. Yeah, was it Charlie Cameron, I want to say? Might have been, yeah. Yeah, no, it's huge. Goals at the end of quarters are huge, huge. And so all of a sudden, instead of it being six goals to two in the first half, six goals to three, it's just a little bit closer. Oh, yeah, yep. And yeah, Brisbane absolutely ran over the top of them. You had great performances from Hipwood and Cameron, seven goals between them. So yeah, look. Just and the, we now know that Melbourne were underdone. So so Petrarca was playing pretty injured, or a couple of other blokes. Injured, yeah, yeah, he didn't look good. He probably maybe yeah maybe should have been subbed off. But heart and soul of the club, you understand why he tried. But yeah, and then yeah, then the game we went to at the G. So just fantastic to be at a packed out game. Luckily, we had some Dockers members fans who didn't make the trip, so we could use their barcodes. So six of us went along to the game. My girlfriend, my brother, who me and him were supporting for for her, and then her a couple of her cousins who were Pies fans, and her best friend who's a Pies fan as well. So we had three and three. We were sitting in the Dockers section, and we had we had pretty good seats. We were pretty close. And then Freo shit the bed. Yeah. Oh, look, it was to be expected though, wasn't it? Really. I think. I mean, the the fact that it was only twenty points probably didn't really indicate. Wasn't a twenty point no. game really. They took their foot off the pedal at the end. It was felt more like a forty point game. But if you look at the first quarters yet again, one point in the first quarter for the second straight final, they got outscored fifty nine to two in the two first quarters that they played. So you're really not setting yourself up for success. And no, you can't give yourself poor starts, especially no. on the road. This is it. Yeah. And, and basically, like, okay, they had a pretty good final quarter, kicked five goals, but. Yeah, they were never coming back from that. And yeah, look, a bit of a disappointing way to end David Mundy's career, but... Well, very few players get to go out on top, do they? But it was nice that they cheered him off. And it's unfortunate that all this news has come out that all these players want to defect because I think the Dockers can hold their heads up really high and and think of themselves that they had a really good season. And maybe a, a loss or two on the G might set them up for a win in, in future seasons as the, as the guys like Brayshaw and Sarong and these guys get a little bit older, a little bit wiser and get a few more games under their belt. But yeah, hopefully not too many players defect. Time will tell on that one. The one thing I don't understand, unless they're, they must be throwing the absolute kitchen sink at them. Why the fuck would guys like Griffin Logue want to go to North Melbourne? He's a, he's a WA boy. Well, it must be the money, like you say. It must be. Like, yeah, he, money he, and opportunity maybe, but I, yeah. I just don't understand that. He's yeah, a, it's a, a shame. consistent first-team player for a team that's going to contend and you want to go to the team that was even worse than West Coast. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they were throwing him forward a, a bit at the end of the season. I don't know if he likes that or not. Maybe he, yeah. I mean, North have a lot of forwards. I, maybe he, his best place is yeah. in defence. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is a bit of a head-scratcher. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But great experience. Um, re- as I say, really glad that we got those barcodes. Otherwise, we wouldn't have got tickets. I did not expect it to sell out. Um, and Melbourne and Brisbane didn't sell out. And I thought about going to that game, and I thought, no, no, why am I here? Like, i got to see my brother, and he's not a massive footy fan. He's already coming with me tomorrow. So yeah. I didn't go to that one. But, yeah, fantastic experience. Food's a lot cheaper there, let me tell you. Only $15 a pint? Well, oh, well, sell points there, no, I? no, but but the food is cheaper than here in Perth, and you don't even charge you for tomato sauce. Oh, wow, I usually just steal it. <laughs> I just wait till they turn away and grab one. I'm like, <laughs> no, but when she said the price, I'm like, really? Like, you know, you know, this is all mine, right? Like, yeah, oh, okay, cool. So that was good. And then it was funny at the end. So after the game, there were these little shits. Like, so I had, I had my girlfriend's fro scarf on because we all. 
you'll go off to have a piss after the game and then then meet up after. So I had I had her scarf on and and these guys were, you know, giving me shit like, oh, better luck next year and like really twisting the dagger. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually a Swanee supporter, boys. It's just my girlfriend's scarf. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, and I'm an Adelaide supporter. And uh, blah, 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 blah. But it was actually true. I'm mm. a Swanee supporter. So can vouch for. So so any Collingwood fans that are disappointed in the one point loss, you can blame those kids because they caused it the karma. Yeah. A lot of people tend to think that preliminary final weekend is the most exciting weekend in the football calendar. I know that Damien Barrett bangs on about it every year. It was half exciting. Yeah, well, the the top half of the draw. Wasn't yeah, so good. yeah. I mean, look, and look, I was a bit offended when people were saying the Swans were on the softer side of the draw because I knew Collingwood were tough. And when we when we knew those final four teams, I did say, look, there's one pretender and three contenders here, and that uh, that proved to be true because Geelong absolutely destroyed Brisbane and Sydney and Collingwood played an absolute beauty. Yeah, I mean, look, Geelong ran them off the park, basically. If you look at the, the breakdown, four goals in the first. It was the third quarter, actually, when you look at it. Seven goals. Yep. Seven goals to two. That that pretty much is the game blown open. It wasn't exactly close at halftime. It was still five goals at that stage. But when you give up seven in a quarter, it's, it's unless you're kicking five or six yourself, it's, it's a long way. Back. Well, especially when you're already down. Well, you've got the stats there. What was it? Like, Hawkins was like two goals, three, and Cameron was was similar. Like, uh, they weren't very accurate. Hawkins, four goals, three in the end. Four goals, three. Oh, okay. Oh, I've obviously forgotten a couple. But uh, be right, Cameron, one goal, two. So Yeah, yeah. so even their spearhead's a little bit inaccurate. Obviously, Stengel played quite well with three goals. But what a season he's had. By the way, I heard today, I think he's had three goals or more in something like Nine games this season. Yeah, it's impressive for a small forward. Well, and your third best forward too. Oh, what a luxury! What were your thoughts at the end? Because obviously they're an older list. Yes. When you when you've got guys like Selwood and Dangerfield, guys who are the wrong side of thirty. Yeah, so they took them all off. So the bench was what Selwood, Dangerfield, Hawkins, and Cameron. I think. Well, Dangerfield went back on. That's the thing. I think they put them all back on. So that was with about five or six minutes left, and then there's like two minutes left, and they're all on again. You go, holy shit! What? And then Selwood was involved in friendly fire collision. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like what, if in that last minute in in a what 60-point game, whatever it was? What were your thoughts on, I guess, the tour? Like Brian Taylor was saying, play, finish the game with 15 on the field. If you have to. Yeah. Mm. When you're up by that much. I, I actually don't mind the idea. Oh. They're not going to score 70 points in five minutes. Well, and again, there was that incident where had Selwood got injured, I mean, crikey. That changes things a lot. Absolutely. So yeah, no, that was a bit of a head scratcher. And and all the talk was, oh, danger. He only knows how to play one way and he'll play it out. And look, I understand that. But sometimes the coach has just got to say, mate, we've got a bigger game next yeah, week. Slightly bigger, yeah. <laughs> so But uh, look, Brisbane, geez, I feel for Brisbane fans because Danaher again showed why I wanted no part of the Swans getting him in the offseason. He was rumored to come here. He wanted to come here a couple of off seasons in a row and I wanted no part of him and I didn't want any part of throwing a million bucks or near two at him. Mm. Doesn't pressure, a bit lazy. I, I I think I think that was a big difference of the four teams. Brisbane's forward pressure was pretty shit compared to the other teams. Yeah. Well, look, at the end of the day, you and I had the same amount of goals as Danaher. Yeah, well, that's right. Yep. So. Yep. And there was one he missed by a long way. Like, had there been another goalpost, maybe he wouldn't have even hit that. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So, yeah, disappointing. I do feel for Brisbane fans. Yeah. And then Saturday, oh man, like it's it's a bit of a blur. I'll be honest. I I'm still processing it. Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> I I actually really am. So we got home from Melbourne on the Thursday night. And so, so we were hosting a party here. So all Friday, getting the house ready. Saturday morning, getting the house ready. Go around to her house to watch the footy pies fan. 80s party. Decided to dress as Warwick Kappa. Seemed like a great idea at the time. Anyway, watched the game with her. Felt terrible. Like, it's such a weird experience watching with... Well, we've watched grand finals together yeah, when yeah. our teams have played. It's a weird experience, isn't yeah. it? But I kept saying, like, I kept saying... A four-goal lead at the SCG is like a two-goal lead at the MCG. Like, you, if you win it out of the middle quick, you can peg back a four-goal lead easy. And so I knew that we never had the game under wraps and the inaccuracy kept Collingwood in it. And it's funny. All it takes is a goal or two to push the margin up from four to six or from six to eight and you're like, game over. But heading into the fourth, I was convinced we'd lost. Convinced. 
and we nearly did. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. no, I thought we were, I thought we were going to lose. Well, I mean, you're right. Like the game was officially over with three seconds left when the the final rush behind. Yes, when we had the kick in. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, they're not going to lose it from here. Yeah, unless they somehow manage to kick it straight to a. A pies player like well, 10 metres out. Yeah, like, I can't imagine any... Maybe you could have tied it. I can't imagine a scenario. Unless you literally kicked it straight to... Yeah, gave away a free. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, look, it was a hell of a game. There were some big moments in it. I mean, obviously, a lot of the talk on the, the Tom Papley pushing the back, which was probably there. But then there's... You know, you were sort of talking about the Brody Meyer check mark that was paid in front, which... It's hard to know whether he held it long enough. I don't know. Well, I've got I've got a quote here from umpire Meredith. I had a perfect view 20 metres away. Papley holds his ground, more slips and stumbles a bit, and certainly no force that I saw that warranted a free kick. Look, I don't agree with that entirely. I, I think the, the push in the back, from what I saw, the extension of the arms kind of ate... He did slip a little bit. It was that, yeah. That, the that problem ex- is hands in the back. I don't think he pushed super super hard. But the push did exacerbate him falling. Over yeah, yeah. I guess there's a couple of things. And look, it, 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 uh, that was another reason why it was hard to process and why I couldn't. It, it it felt like a loss. If ever a win feels like a loss, that's what it felt like. Yeah. But Collingwood won the free kick count twenty to fifteen. And I know it's not all about numbers. It's about time and and where it happens. And, yeah. and there was also a lot of talk about the Ginevan fifty. But to be honest, that was in the back pocket, didn't lead to a goal or anything. So that's inconsequential. So you can whinge about that all you like, but it didn't affect the outcome of the game. And also Collingwood never led. So you can't like literally never led. Hmm. So so you can't you can't dig yourself a hole. And if if they got their noses ahead and then Sydney got back ahead, you could feel more aggrieved yeah. too. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm a fan. Maybe I'm being irrational. If, but... if the push in the back had led to... Because I remember there was a game a while back where Jonathan Brown playing for Brisbane got a, a shove in the back against one of the Eagles defenders and kicked a goal that actually put them ahead and right, won right, them the game. Right. That If it had been something like that... Uh, Hawkins gets away with two of those every game. Yeah, exactly. He'll get away with one in the grand final. I can yeah. almost guarantee. And I don't dispute that either. Yeah. As, like, you, you're right, though. You, I don't think the umpiring necessarily cost... Collingwood the game. There's a lot of very salty Pies fans online that are blaming them. Oh, of course. And look, I understand. I do understand. But sometimes you just got to look inwards a bit and go, you know what? We probably spotted them slightly. Well, that's the thing. Again, they did not let literally not even one point to zero. They never led for a second of the game. Yeah. And it's hard to come back from that. So, yeah. But, you know, crazy stuff. We're in a granny. So, grand final knife. Do you, what, how, do you how, think how much, how much is Geelong going to win by? Because I know you're not going to say the Swans will win. Oh look, no, but I do honestly believe that we won't win, and part of that reason is the Sam Reed injury. And and if you watch the game again, the Sam Reed injury is where things started to turn shit for the Swannies oh, because he was playing superbly. He was a really strong marking option. How's this? Papley and Goulden were contesting ruck contests in the fourth quarter. Well, it was it two was, of the smallest guys on the field. Yeah, it was mostly Isaac Haney. Now, Haney's was Haney, Haney's, uh, he can at least jump. He, he, like, he was contesting as well. Yeah, he doesn't have the body for it. So if he's yeah. a secondary option, that's a problem. Yeah. So so that Sam Reed injury was huge, and that terrifies me because yeah. I, I I look I still give us a chance. I gave us a red hot chance with Sam Reed. He was playing really well too, and unfortunately, this kind of sums up his career. It does. He's a very good player, but he's made a class, yeah. and I love him. He's one of like uh, he's he's one of those blokes that if you support the team, you love them. Casual fans might not know a lot about him. He's done a lot of good things for us over a long time, but this really sums up his career if he doesn't get up for the granny. Look, the one thing I will say about the Swans, and I'm going to say it while I touch wood, they do not often get blown out of games. They always keep themselves in games and give themselves a chance. And I guess you just never know on the day. Somebody pops up at... look. I think the start is key. The start is really key. So we've talked about teams digging themselves holes or teams getting out to fast leads up. I think the Swans either need to get out to a bit of an early lead or at least hold hold serve. Yeah. If it's like five goals to one at quarter time. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd be... It'd be tough. Doom and gloom. It'd definitely. So, definitely. But we play the G well. We play Geelong well. There, there are a lot of cause for for optimism as well as concern. And look, do you, do you think the two best teams are in the grand final? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, certainly on form. Yeah. Well, that's right. So I mean, it's never been a 15 game winning streak versus a nine nine game winning streak. Is that like, is that ever or? No, never, never. Wow. So yeah. not even just in a final. Wow. Oh, well, oh, sorry. In a, in a granny. Sorry. Oh, yeah, in a yeah. grand final. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. But I would guess it, it can't be, it'd have to be pretty rare. Wouldn't happen many times. Yeah. So yeah. Look, you've got to certainly give 
the Swans a chance. As I say, they play the game right. They tackle hard. Forward their, pressure's their good. Their pressure levels are insane through the roof. If any yep. team is built to beat Geelong on the biggest stage, it is Sydney. Yeah. Do I think they'll win? No. I would probably say Geelong by maybe three or four goals. Yeah, I was Geelong by 17, I'll say. Yeah, I, I think three to four. But look, it's going to be a great game. We will see. I think it is the best two teams. So Sydney was six and two with a percentage of 118 against the top eight. Geelong were also six and two with a percentage of 111. Great storylines. So the Guthrie and McCartan brothers, the redemption stories for Paddy McCartan, Tyson Stengel, as I mentioned, that stat. The, these teams have never played in a grand final, even back in the South Melbourne Bloods days. So there's a lot of really interesting storylines too. Selwood breaks the record for most finals games. Yes. So look, I think it'll be a cracker. Even the weather's starting to look a bit better. So I've, I've been looking at Melbourne weather for three weeks straight now, two of them because I was there and now because my team's playing in the grand final. Would it be better for the Swans if it was shitty and raining? Uh, we don't tend to be a great wet weather team. Okay. Even living in Sydney, well. Well, yeah. No. I just thought you guys were. No, no. I have less faith in... It's because the Eagles are so bad in the wind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And WA teams suck. looks good. Yeah. yeah. WA teams suck in the wet. Yeah. I, I always have... Look... If Sam Reid isn't playing and we need to play a bit smaller, maybe that would suit us and that would generally maybe force a closer game. But I've been looking at the at the weather and it's got better with each day. And the the kind of the block of the grand final itself where the game's being played is is sunny. So go. fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So look, we were going to talk about this whole Willy Rioli farce, I'm going to call it him buggering off to Port Adelaide basically after all the stuff that the Eagles did. We are well and truly running over time. <laughs> Shock horror. We sure are. So we'll probably punt that until we talk about the off-season yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of off-season. There'll be plenty more off-season stuff to yeah. come too. There's going to be a pretty crazy trade period, I think. So so I think we'll move on to the NFL or the college football and the NFL. Yeah, so you've been following more college football than you ever have before, it seems. There's just a lot of interesting things going on. So you had Notre Dame, Texas A&M and Nebraska paid Sunbelt teams a combined $4.173 million US dollars to play home games on September 10th. And all three of them lost. Yeah, wow. Well. So Notre Dame lost 26-21 to Marshall Thundering Herd. Nebraska lost 45-42 to the Georgia Southern Eagles. And Texas A&M lost 17-14 to Appalachian State Mountaineers. And then Appalachian State, this is crazy. So they lost their first match to North Carolina 63-61. Super high school. Yeah, game. yeah. And they won their not game. No, well, no, probably not. <laughs> and then they won their game against Troy over the weekend on a last-second Hail Mary that bounced from basically one pack of players to a wide-open player for them. Oh, just immaculate works. reception. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, Still right. Sort of idea. Franco Harris. So some crazy stuff there. Eastern Kentucky beat bowling around the same sort of time, 59-57 in seven overtimes. Yeah, although college overtimes are a bit different and a bit stupid. A little bit stupid, but yeah. yeah. At least yeah. it's, it's kind of But fun. it's a higher number, yeah. It probably, yep. probably need an equal ending, to be honest. Oh, gosh. It's actually tied for the second most overtimes ever in a Division One game. Um, this was a game that took four and a half hours to play. So that's probably where it does get a little bit silly. Oh, I'm surprised it wasn't longer, to be honest. But their overtimes, they start on the 20 or something, well, or the 25. Well, it's, really, it's so weird. So here's the thing. So from the second overtime period, teams have to run for a two-point conversion after a touchdown. And if the game reaches a third overtime actually begin to run alternating two-point conversion plays instead of offensive possessions. Yeah. It's weird. It's Mickey Mouse. It's really weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Now, this one's not current, but it's something that popped up on my feed that was absolutely crazy. I had not seen this. From 2017, a game between Mississippi State and Louisiana Tech. So Louisiana Tech had a second and goal on the seven-yard line. They had a botched snap and then a number of unsuccessful attempts to basically regather the football Eventually, it ended up with Louisiana Tech recovering the ball on their own six-yard line for an 87-yard loss, facing third and 93. Yeah, I saw this one on Twitter. It was one of those on-this-day tweets. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> like, I've seen the, the Patriots had a fourth and 63 one time, but third and 93, that's ridiculous. <laughs> third and entire field, basically. <laughs> third and give up. Yeah, yeah. So. Third and punt. <laughs> <laughs> third and punt. <laughs> Maybe we have a title. That's good. I like that. Yeah, that, that's good. Speaking of punts, one of the more bizarre ones I've seen. So South Carolina State playing the University of Central Florida. They're down 7 nothing, fourth and 19 on their own 30-yard line. Punter Dyson Roberts decides to go for it, goes for a fake punt, and then basically starts running. He gets sort of halfway down the field. He thought he was playing AFL. And yeah, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to kick it here. It's like you're miles in front of the yeah, line of scrimmage. it was so weird. 
And so instead of then basically getting a pretty much a certain first down, it leads to a penalty. Yeah. They lose the game 56 to 10. That was bizarre. Really weird. I don't know what was going through his no, mind. I don't know if he wasn't a kicker in high school or something. Was he a running back in high school Maybe. or something? And he's like, I'm going to run. Oh, actually, I'm the punter now. Yeah. It was, it was so weird. I watched that footage a couple of times. It was just scratching it, my head. It was weird. It was almost like rugby where you, like, you chip and chase. Yeah, basically. Yeah, those. yeah. And then the last one from the college stuff. Have you heard the story about this guy, Ray Rochelle? So he's a freshman on the North Dakota College of Science Wildcats. Quality football being played out there. Yeah, of course, they're the Wildcats. But on its own, that kind of seems like a pretty average story. It's like, oh, great, a freshman. This guy is 49 years old. Oh, yes, I have heard about this now that you mention it, yes. He's yeah. a year older than his coach, Eric Isenville. <laughs> I don't think it's very likely that he'll play big minutes, but he's actually doing pretty well keeping up with the young'uns in training, and he seems really happy. So cool story. Oh, well, hey, if J.R. Smith can go back and play college golf, that's true. Why can't this bloke go back and play college football? Hopefully he does as well with the uh, academic stuff as JR did. Yeah, well, let's just hope he takes his shot when he should. Oh, So pretty exciting start to the NFL season, that's got to be said. I've managed to watch bits and pieces like halves here and there. Like the night we've arrived in Melbourne, I was up till like nearly 5 a.m. watching because I was on Oof. Perth. I was on Perth time though, you know yeah, what I mean? So geez. I can go till three o'clock, you know what I mean? So I watched a bit of the Patriots and the Dolphins game. Dolphins look pretty good. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely will. We must. So, yeah, two really interesting weeks. It's looking like a a good season, hopefully. How how are the Colts doing? Oh, shit. They got shut out. Not yes. not looking good for the Indian. Yes, Colts. no, not at all. In one of the worst divisions in football, too. How's and this? The Jacksonville Jaguars have spent more money in free agency than any other team in the last decade and have lost the most games. Yeah, okay. So there's an example that money can't always buy you happiness. <laughs> Speaking of not being able to buy happiness, do you know who's currently, after obviously only two games, but who is second in the league in passing yards for a quarterback? I do, actually. Yeah, it's Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, I have to laugh. Oh, look. We gave him so much shit. And oh, no, I still don't want him. I yeah. still, he'll do Wentzy stupid things. Oh, of course he will. It's coming. Of don't course worry. he will. It's coming. <laughs> but I just, but I'm not over the moon about Matt Ryan either. No, so. not, not a great start. Yeah. Now, I have to ask the question, Nate. We had three incredible comebacks over the weekend. So we had Arizona 29 defeating Las Vegas Raiders 23 in overtime. And I'll set the scene on this very quickly. They were down 20 nothing with about six minutes left in the third quarter. So they still had time, but they're obviously well behind. The offense isn't running particularly well. If you're up 20 nothing, you should be winning that game pretty comfortably. Yeah. Kyler Murray was ridiculous. End of the third and, and right throughout the fourth quarter, though. There was one two-point conversion where he actually had the ball for 20 seconds before running it in himself. And they worked out that obviously it wasn't. 85 yards in a linear fashion, but he ran about 85 yeah. yards on that play. I saw yeah, that. Scrambling around. Absolutely yeah. insane. There, yeah. You know, there were, there were guys that played well. Greg Dorch was awesome. Marquise Brown had probably one of the catches of the season right between two defenders. Uh, you had Daryl Williams had a nice sort of key touchdown, but it was a, a really, really important holding penalty with 16 seconds left that actually allowed them to tie Fresh the game. Fresh set of downs. Yeah, so yeah, it was huge. gave Murray a chance and he yeah. ran it in. AJ Green has the two-point conversion on a really tough catch. Yes, in the back of the end zone. Yeah, yep. So that was a cracker. Miami 42 defeats Baltimore 38. Now, to kind of put this into perspective, Baltimore up 35 to 14 with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter on this one. Another scenario where you should not be losing from. Absolutely. And I will say this. Devin Duvernay returns the opening kickoff 103 yards for a touchdown. So pretty uh, ominous start. Oh, what a way to start the game. Yeah, fantastic. But old mate Tua steps up and has six touchdowns. He did have a couple of interceptions, but four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Tyreek Hill, man. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he showed why they spent the money on him. Fast is he? He's very, very good. Although I've got to say that, and look, Baltimore are pretty injury ravaged in their defense and their secondary, but they just fell asleep and just gave up on players mm. at times. They did not do themselves any favors in the backfield, the Ravens. Jalen Waddle was awesome as well. Oh, right? he's, him, well, him and Hill together are both absolute speedsters. They were a very good offensive core building there, and their defense was their strength last season. What do you think of his celebration, the Waddle? Oh, <laughs> basically looking like a penguin. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know. It's marginally, yeah. marginally better than a gritty, I guess. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> At Philly. Oh, it's 
pretty much everyone now. Yeah. And then the last one, New York Jets 31 defeat the Cleveland Browns 30. Jets down 30 to 17 with a minute 36 left on the clock. The Browns did miss a point after that would have given them a two touchdown lead. Well, and and did you see the the way they tried to run out the clock? I didn't see that. No. So so Nick Chubb. Well, actually, before that, so there was a Kareem Hunt run where he's made. I'm pretty sure he's made the first down, and then he's gone out of bounds and stopped the clock at 2:02, which means they got oh, a play. The two- they had to run a play before the two minute warning, right? And then straight after that. Nick Chubb ran it for a good, it was a good run. It was like 15 yards. or Well, I can't remember exactly, but it was a decent run. And what he should have done is gone down after the first down yeah. marker to kill the clock or to make the clock keep running. But instead he ran it in for a touchdown, which gave the Jets enough time. So Cleveland blew this completely. Yeah. They blew it. Yeah, big and, time. And what makes it even worse is their defense royally screwed it up. So Joe Flacco hits Corey Davis for a 71-yard touchdown that cuts it to... A six-point game. And Flacco's made a career of throwing Hail Mary, like, yeah. Well, there was no one within, like, 10 <laughs> Oh, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wide open. Yeah, wide open. Then, yeah. then they recover the onside kick. There's a false start penalty as well, which gives them 10 yards. And then a few plays later, Garrett Wilson scores his second touchdown. Ashton Davis intercepts a late attempt by the Browns to get into field goal range. Crazy. Like, which, which of those three do you think is the best? Oh, it's so hard to choose. I mean, Cleveland really did blow it. They really blew it. So some of it's their fault rather than the Jets winning. Do you yep. know what I mean? Yep. But retrieving an onside kick is not easy. No. And they managed that. They did it really well. I'm finding this really tough. They were all amazing games. I, I can't pick. I can't choose. Maybe Miami. I'm going Miami yeah, just, just yeah. because of how well Tua played. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, well, not many blokes have thrown six touchdowns. And There's, I mean, Tom Brady hasn't, for example. And I mean, four in 12 minutes as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think the record's seven too, actually. There you go. So I remember there, were, there was a game when Peyton was playing for the Broncos that he was well on the way, but because they were winning by so much, they took him out of the yeah, game. Yeah. Yeah. So no, hopefully the rest of the season keeps throwing up those sorts of games. If it does, you'll certainly be getting a lot more viewers. Oh, yeah. Make. It's been a great start to the season. The only concern is that the AFC is way stronger than the NFC. So hopefully we'll get a good Super Bowl. But how's this? Those Bills, and look, I feel like I pick them for the Super Bowl every year, like the last three years. But they are plus 55 on their two games. So they beat the defending champion Rams by 21 on their home field. And I predicted it too. We've got the messages to prove it. And beat the Titans by 34. So with a plus 55, that is the biggest points differential in 201 instances where a team has started a season against previous playoff teams. So it's not chopped liver that they were playing against, hey. They were teams that competed well. Titans were the number one seed in the AFC last season. They looked hideous. Like, yeah. Ryan Tannehill had to come off. He was that. Yeah, player. I know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He, I followed it when I was at work. He, yeah, he was just terrible. And and look, yeah, I mean, Allen was great. Stephon Diggs was superb. Yeah, three touchdowns. Knox yeah. was great. Yeah, but no, really, really good start. Now, I've just got a couple of little tidbits to kind of round out the NFL. So, did you see that Isaiah McKenzie did a gender reveal for his sister after he scored a touchdown in Week One? I can't say that I did. Basically, ran up to the camera and screamed out, "It's a boy!" Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Really it's good. awesome in the sense that he had to score the touchdown in order to do it. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. No, I thought that was really cool. Brandon Graham has done a, a couple of very, very interesting signings on helmets. He signed one of them that just said, fuck Dallas. <laughs> and another one that said, Tom Brady is my bitch. Fuck Tom Brady. Fuck the Patriots. Strip sack goat. Super Bowl champ. Strip sack fumble. Brilliant. <laughs> Bizarre. It's, yeah. Rantings of a madman. Yeah. Yeah. But hey. If he signed a helmet that said "fuck Tom Brady," I'd take it. That's that's good signing. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he smashed a tablet on the sideline uh, of his game too. Yeah, right. Yeah, cranky bastard. Panadol tablet? No, uh, uh, I assume uh, Apple, whatever they're called. What are they called? iPad. iPad. <laughs> Those things. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, they've got their invention. Luckily, it's not a technology podcast. Yeah, well, this is true. Yeah. Now you mentioned Matt Ryan before. Did you see the interesting little post about his uh, sixty thousand yard ball? Oh, you didn't see that. Okay, you're gonna love this. Oh, I'm I'm in I'm in mourning about the Colts. Luckily, the Swans are going well. So they've taken the ball that he used to throw his sixty thousandth career passing yard, and it's on display at the Hall of Fame in Canton. Now the balls are numbered, and the number on the ball you're not gonna believe this two eight three. The Super Bowl choke. The number of the beast effectively yeah, for him. Like, yeah, yeah. Like you Falcons and Patriots. You can't make that shit up. Yeah, no, no. 
two, eight, three. Like, not even in the wrong order. It's literally <laughs> like the order that just says, this is wow. the lead that you blew. Yeah, wow. Super wow. 51. Yeah. Um, well, it's like it's like when they put the Jordan Jumpman logo on all the singlets and, like, Portland have to be reminded of not drafting Jordan yes. every time they yep. put a singlet on. Some things just, they never leave. They yeah. haunt you forever, don't they? They really don't. And just quickly, I think you saw this one as well. We talked a little while back about the Tyrod Taylor incident in 2020 when a doctor basically punctured his lung. Yes. Finally. Kind of ruined his career, actually. He was their starter at that point. We have some litigation finally. Yeah, five mil. Five million dollar lawsuit, which, yeah, I mean, look, if that's ruined his career, that's probably a pretty decent start. Yeah, well, hey, yeah. I mean, you, you can make a decent coin even as a backup quarterback in the NFL. So for lost earnings... Yeah. No, it's funny you say that actually. I was thinking, I was reflecting on the early days of the podcast and the more things change, the more they stay the same. Because I remember a game by the Denver Broncos where their clock management just meant that they shut the bed and I can't remember who it was against, but all the faces have changed, but the result was the same. In week one, their clock management was so poor and then they had to settle on like a 55 or 54 yard field goal and they and they missed it. So yeah. Oh, that was the Seattle game. Yeah, the Seattle game. That's yeah. right. Russell Wilson. That's right. And so they should have gone for it on fourth down. Russell Wilson's played in that stadium a few times in his career, like more than he has played in Denver, actually. Very loud stadium, though. Oh, yeah. But, well, yeah, it is. But they missed the field goal. They they blew it completely. Absolutely. Yeah. Just one tiny little snippet on the soccer as well, just to round out the football codes. You see Arsenal substituted on Ethan Nwaneri in the 90th minute of their 3-0 win over Brentford. He was born in 2007. Mm. 15 years old. Yeah, well, youngest player to ever appear in a Premier League game. Yeah, well, insane. Yeah, now insane. obviously he's played probably two minutes, and it the result is well and truly. Yeah, but still, it's cool. Yeah, but yeah awesome. good on him. Yeah, maybe a name to look out for. We're doing at fifteen. I don't know. I know in two thousand and seven we we're in the Caribbean at the World Cup. Yeah, but true. When we were fifteen, well, when we were fifteen, we were either playing or watching basketball. Basically, yeah, it's true. all we were yeah, doing. That's probably very true. <laughs> but we never would have played in a, a national league. No, definitely sure, not. So. No, no, maybe Cavity. <laughs> and now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week goes to what I can only assume was a heavily inebriated fan of the LSU Tigers football team during their 65-17 to 17 win over Southern on a, around the 10th of September, I believe it was. As Southern prepared to take a snap, an LSU fan just wandered out onto the field, seemingly with no idea where he was. Was it inebriation or was, it, was he on shrooms? Well, he high, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. So he just, he wanders out to the 10-yard line and just stood there like he was waiting for a mate. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and, and you're sort of looking around and like, there's a lot of really big dudes at the 30-yard line. If there's an interception here, you might be in a bit of trouble. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So a few seconds go by, the police run out, they forcibly remove him, but he looked like he had no idea what was going he on. He was acting as if they were on his property and, yeah. and it was such a weird situation. It's so, so, so weird. <laughs> now, this actually reminds me of a couple of incidents we've spoken about in previous episodes. We've spoken about, I think it was episode 20, funnily enough, that I was talking about earlier on that I'd sort of re-listened to where we were talking about that guy that kind of wandered off the pitch and putt in the middle of the racetrack. Oh, yeah, I do remember that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He yep. just stood there looking like, what are you guys doing? Why are you here? And yeah. it's like, you're on a racetrack, idiot. And you're about to be run over by a galloping horse. <laughs> yeah. And then you had the that lady at the Lakers-Nuggets game in 2012 who just staggered onto the court before being taken down by security. She was like, she had no idea where she was. It has happened a few times, but oh, this guy was really, really playing with fire. He sure was. Maybe not quite as much as the horses. But no, true, true. <laughs> maybe, maybe second to that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just matches rather than jiffy firelighters. Yes. Or, or, yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely playing with matches. Not a blowtorch. No. Yeah, maybe a lighter. Yeah. Thankfully, he got nowhere near the play in the end. But to the Tigers fan who prowled a little bit too far from his seat, all I can say is bloody hell. Bloody hell. Still so much to talk about, Shuey. We'll cover some things like cricket. We've already said we'll cover basketball pretty heavily next week. We've got to talk about the tennis a little bit, though, don't we? It was, it was an interesting US Open. There was a woman who was knitting in the semifinal, for example. <laughs> Kyrgios did all right yeah, did for well. the Aussies. I, I saw a little bit of the match he lost in the end. but uh, so Old mate Karen. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you've got some good information about the new blood, as it were. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So I've noticed a couple of things. First things first, I fucking hate the US Open. 
just not the actual play. The play is awesome. The tournament is awesome. The time is terrible. So Wimbledon, the French Open, we can kind of get away with because it's generally going to be on, you know. The time difference isn't as much. It's it's not so bad. You get most of the good games sort of early-ish in the evening. So that's all good. But you're talking like 1 a.m., 4 a.m. starts. Like the only game I got in the second week that I was actually able to watch turned out to be the match of the entire tournament. Well, silver lining. So there was a bit of a silver lining. Yeah. The reason I was able to watch it was because it went until three o'clock New York time, which was about mid-morning, early afternoon. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, here in Perth. Yeah. And so it was this classic between Carlos Alcaraz and Yannick Sinner. It went for five hours and 15 minutes. It was ridiculous. And it was kind of like watching Nadal. So Alcaraz is kind of like the new Nadal. And Sinner's kind of like a hybrid mix between Djokovic and Federer. He's got the power of Federer. He's got a bit of the mobility of a Djokovic. Maybe not quite as talented as both of those guys just yet, but he he certainly possesses a lot of the traits. The rapping ability of Andy Murray? <laughs> well. Hopefully. I hope not, honestly. Oh, God. Do yourselves a favour, people. Check we'll, out that song. Check it out. Yeah. The Brian Brothers. Yeah. Oh, What's it called? It's called Autograph. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> had to remind me. <laughs> but what I think the most exciting part of all of this is, is that it's actually bringing out this whole new... Like we've, we've spoken a number of times about the new blood, you know, talk, we've talked about the Sferevs and the Sitsipasses and the Medvedevs. There's very much a changing of the guard. Well, it's happening across sport a little bit, isn't it? And I guess it does happen every kind of 15 years. We're probably in that cycle where a lot of people are starting to call it quits. Federer, of course, being the obvious one, Serena being the other. Yep. So, well, Serena. Well, she left the door ajar a she's, little She's doing a Tom Brady. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And if yeah. she does, I'm not happy about it. Well, I think her time's probably come. So even if she hangs around, I'm not... She's not going to do anything. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, you're right. Federer's gone. Nadal's 36. Djokovic is 35. You know, those last two, they're they're still dangerous on their day. Absolutely. Like, you still expect to see them in the second week of a Grand Slam or any tournament they're part of. What Nadal has done this this year, battling injury, has been very impressive. Yep. Very impressive. This is it. But as you get older, it's harder to do that sort of stuff. It is. And look, we know that Novak takes care of his body better than... Probably anyone won't even put vaccines. Into yes, it. yeah, yeah. But all jokes aside, like he is ridiculous. Like he's he's one of these guys who, if he played and was still winning Grand Slams at forty, I wouldn't be surprised. No, no. But what I'm sort of noticing is, if you look at the list now, you've got Alcaraz, who's the new world number one. You've got Casper Ruud from Norway, who's the world number two, and then you've got this big list of guys like Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, Nori from Great Britain. You've got Andre Rublev, Sinner. And there's a load more. If you look at the two guys, Karen Kachinov and Francis Tiafo, that made the semifinals here, those guys are young as well. So it's not this, you know, fait accompli that Novak and Rafa will win everything moving forward. Oh, no, God, no. No. They'll be challenged. They, they will. And, and it makes it exciting. It makes men's tennis really exciting moving forward. In the women's, it's kind of, I don't know. I'm not sure about the women's anymore. I was kind of excited about it last yeah. slam, but... It's interesting, isn't it? Because we've lost Barty and Osaka. I mean, has her time come? Well, you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, she's still young, but yeah. Yeah. Like, like she's, she's very fragile. Yeah. Did you see, by the way, thoughts and prayers with Daria Seville. I don't know if you saw this today. She was playing Naomi Osaka seven minutes into the game. Looks like she's ruptured her ACL. Oh, right. Not pretty. No, I didn't see that. Basically played a forehand winner and just collapsed. So yeah, not, mm. not pretty. Ariel Huck Bordy injured himself in the Blitz today. Oh, shit. They reckon it might be an Achilles. Oh, no. Sad. Was it a decal? Yeah, well, oh, he slipped oh, around the decal. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if that was the cause, but it was around. Yeah. Mm. Talk about that next week. Darwin might not get another gig. But in the women's side, Iga Swiatek, I mean, she continues on her merry way. She lost two sets all tournament. She beat Ons Jabeur in the final. She's 21 and she's got three Grand Slams already. Mm. Looks very, very good. I mean, it's not quite like Martina Hingis winning three before she turns 17, but there's, I look at it and I go, there's not actually that many players right now that can kind of hang with her. And even, I guess, some of the... And look, I'm no tennis expert, but I know a little bit. Even some of the people that have won or thereabouts, like Simona Halep, for example, she's not super consistent. So she'll win one tournament and then she'll be knocked out in the first round in the next one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so so when we think about the Serenas and, you know, those people that were just the graph before her, just super, super consistent. And that's maybe lacking in the women's game. So if Swiatek can be that person. She is. And if she doesn't have that foil, Raducanu, I know you've been talking about. I mean, we always said everything's different once you have the burden of expectation. 
you got to win one. But once you win that one, people expect you to win more. And that pressure's tough. And I think that's what, what is most impressive about how she goes about her game is that she is just so unflappable. Like she'll be down a you know a set, down a break, whatever it happens to be. If you look at the game against Arena Sabalenka, she was down 4-2 in the third set of that one. And like Sabalenka was the one who blinked. Sabalenka has this history of her serve just deserting her in those really key moments. Yeah. And Swiatek just played solid, got the ball back into court, let her kind of make the errors, won the next four games and won the match. She did a Yana Novotna. A little bit, yeah. Similar sort of idea. So I've managed to refer to... We've we've referred to three choke specials today. If only yeah. we could think of stories for another two. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> so, yeah, it kind of... Like, it gets interesting. And so, like, who's going to be the next person that's going to step up and challenge her? And, look, you're right. You know, we, we had the expectations on some of these younger two. Layla Fernandez has kind of dropped off a little bit. You know, she's dropped down, I think, to number 49 or something like that in the world. We did see Raducanu drop down to 83 in the world, which doesn't even guarantee you these ATP. You might have to be a wildcard, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't even get you into the, like, the 1,000s. So there's also, like, there's a lot of tournaments that she won't qualify for. As you say, she'll have to be a wild card for, for some of these other ones. And look, she'd be invited to be a wild card, but you still got to win. Yeah, well, this is it. But, yeah. you know, because she won it last year and then got knocked out pretty much in the, I think it was the first round, she dropped all those ranking points and just plummeted. So... It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I'm really keen to see who the, the next person. And look, Coco Goff, I've always talked about. Yeah, yeah, about yeah, her. yeah, yeah. You know, Sophia, She's super young. Yeah, Sophia Kinnan, Daniel Collins. There's a lot of, there's a lot of. Sabalenka, you mentioned. Sabalenka. Yeah. There's, there's a, I mean, there's tons of people I'm forgetting about, but it just seems like every tournament, a lot of those top seeds tend to get knocked out in the first couple of rounds. Schweitzek never seems to be that person. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Having said that, though, if you look at both of the finals, it was top five seeds in the men's and the women's. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We always talk about how there'll be an unseeded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone random. That, There's some level of chaos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I had a quick look back. In the last 10 years, 2012 Oz Open, 2013 US Open, 2016 Wimbledon were the only other Grand Slams to have top five seeds in both the men's and women's singles. Yeah, right. So it's a little bit weird to kind of not see like a 25 seed or an unseeded yeah, yeah, person yeah. sort of come through. Uh, especially on the women's side, because that can be a bit more unpredictable. You can. And also one little sort of stat to round this out. The last time a Grand Slam quarterfinal bracket didn't include Serena Williams, Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, and Rafael Nadal. Oh, okay. I'm not looking at your screen. Can I guess? Yep. It's a long time ago. Correct. I'll say 03. Oh, he's done it. Really? US Open 2000, 2003. Nice. So there you go. I'm happy. That was a pure, I didn't know that one. 19 years ago. Wow. So yeah, very, very interesting to see just how quick this changing of the guard just kind of, it almost kind of seems like it was overnight. The Swans can lose now. I got that trivia right. <laughs> You've had your win for the week. <laughs> Sure, you know what that music means. Final thoughts time. Well, it's been a month, but nothing changes, Nath. We still talk way, way, way too much. The more things change. But it's hard not to. What an amazing couple of weeks that we've had in the final series in the AFL. Absolutely. First couple of weeks, the NFL has been amazing. We've had the US Open, the NBL season's coming up. There's a lot going on in the sports world on field or court and off. Absolute small sport. Thank you so much for that gift. You did not have to do that at all, my friend. I appreciate it, but I will wear it with pride, even though we're taking it. No time like the present for the present. Ah, see what you did there. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.